Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tullamore. Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. Worshaw.ie. Good evening and welcome to Country Life here on Midlands 103. It's MJ Cleary with you for the next hour. Delighted to be bringing you the latest from the worlds of agriculture, food and agribusiness from around the Midlands and indeed further afield. Now, thanks for joining me. Quick week as always. The seven days really doesn't belong going around. And it is milder, definitely milder than it was last week. Mild blast of weather over these few days. Now, this morning started off nice, turned into be a bit of a wet and miserable day as the day cracked on. But uh, the weather is given as milder than normal for this time of the year for the end of the week and into the weekend. And with calving just kicking off just about now, last few days, calves have started coming on farms. And really, from 1 February, from tomorrow on, it is uh, all hands to the pump. Uh, things are going to get very, very busy over the course of the next few weeks on not just dairy farms, but suckler farms and deep sheep farms throughout the country. And uh, that dry day or that little bit of milder weather over these few days does give a little bit of a boost when facing into long days and nights. Now, the show this week, and in a moment, I'm going to be chatting about a working dairy farm, which is up for lease just outside Athlone. Maeve Johnson from the Brady Group, who are in charge of the letting of this piece of land. A piece of land, I should say, a full working farm, 223 acres. Going to be talking about that in just a moment. Joe Patton from Chagas, he's going to join me uh, shortly to chat about winter feed on farms. So do you have enough feed or will you be cutting it fine this year? All depends on the spring, really, doesn't it? But Joe is part of the National Fodder and Food Security Committee, who had a meeting last week to discuss this area. Something that came up as well is the issue of straw, which is most needed at this time of the year. And uh, it is in short supply. So we're going to hear about that as well a little bit later. Friday of this week, the 2nd of February, is World Wetlands Day. Bernie Duffy, who is farming on the Kildare Offaly border, will join me to chat about this. And also a programme called Farm Pete. You may remember back in, what was it, October, November, I did a piece with a man called Doug Ellen. He was involved in this as well. It's an EU-funded programme where there are a range of pilot farmers and they are taking on board differing environmental measures. They're being carried out in their holding and there's been studies being done and uh, it's part of an EU-wide initiative. Bernie's going to chat to me about this. And also there's an upcoming project or scheme which is going to be of interest to you all. It's called the Midlands Carbon Capture Scheme. And it's going to be results-based and monetary-based. So you're going to get paid to include environmental measures on your holding. And that's going to be coming on board in the not-too-distant future. That's an interesting one. The ICSA are holding their annual conference tomorrow at Lone. And its title is that of sustainability. No surprise there. I think every conference over the course of the last couple of years has the word sustainable in it somewhere. Sean McNamara, Westmead man, is taking over as president at the event. And Sean will join me later to chat about this. Also a word on the sheep trade, which is reasonably strong at the moment. Now, with roughly 50% of winter crops, only 50%, I should say, of winter crops sown in the country, uh, the news that there are payments being made to tillage farmers this week is very, very, very welcome. And with news on this is Leishman and IFA tillage chair, Kieran McAvoy. He's going to join me a little bit later to chat on that. Now, as always, text the show, comments, thoughts or questions to 083 30 10 103. Now, before I forget, because I probably will, you may remember a couple of weeks back, I had Ken Holmes, Mount Rathman on the programme speaking about aiming to get Mount Rathmark back up and running. So just to give a, a mention to that meeting, which we publicised back maybe this night, two weeks ago, I think it was. So a meeting being held tomorrow, Thursday, 1st of February at 8pm at Bloom HQ 
Barbecue, Mount Rath, it's the old convent grounds, Chapel Yard. All shareholders, local businesses and interested parties are asked to attend. The meeting is to look at all possibilities to use this fantastic opportunity we have to reopen the mart here in Mount Rath. Mount Rath Mart has been closed since 2018, so we as a committee would appreciate any support to help us make this happen and to reopen the gates again. So a little press release there from the people who want to get Mount Rath Mart up and running. That's tomorrow evening, 8pm. And if you're in the locality or are interested in that, uh, by all means, attend. Now, we have Maeve Johnson on the line. She's from the, the Brady Group. Maeve, many thanks for taking my call this evening. No problem at all, MJ. Uh, so, Maeve, it's a, a fine offering you have here. I came across it on the Farming Independent yesterday. 223-acre working dairy farm uh, near Athlone. Can you tell us a little bit uh, about what's on offer, please? Yeah, so we have a, a farm that has just come up for lease. It's just 10 kilometres outside of Athlone. It actually falls on both sides of the M6 motorway and there is um, an underpass on the farm. So I suppose the owner is retiring from farming there is stock on the farm um, at the minute, which will be available to purchase. And um, if the person who comes in, the tenant, wants to take on this stock, then they're welcome to, and there's open to holding a conversation about that. Yeah, very good. I see 127 cows can be bought as part of the deal, but there is cubicle space for 175 cows. So this is this is a, a full operating enterprise and a fine one at that. 16-unit milk and parlour with an 11,000 bulk tank. It is ready to go. Look, we are 31st of January now at the moment, so presumably these cows are all just on the point of calving. So this deal needs to be done sooner rather than later, I'm imagining. Yeah, it does. Um, so the cows are starting calving this week. They're due to start on the 2nd of February, but um, obviously somebody's not going to come in straight away. Um, so we're kind of seeing the 1st of April, but mm. if there's somebody on the ground ready to go from the 1st of March, then we're willing to work with them as well. Yeah, and there's always the bad news then on this, Maeve, and that comes down to the money side of things. Uh, the rental price being quoted for a five-year or 10-year lease at that, is 360 per acre or a figure, a headline figure of 80,000 per annum. So it's not small money and that narrows the pool of people who are going to be interested in this. Uh, presumably, uh, an already large-scale dairy farmer is going to look at this as, a, as an add-on to an existing enterprise. It could be, yeah. We've had a lot of interest from people who are in that scenario who are interested in putting in a farm manager on site. So we'd be open to willing having a conversation about that. I suppose just to point out that it will be a minimum of a 10-year lease with potential for it to be 15. OK, and just look at the figures, Maeve. Look, 80,000 uh, as it stands, 127 cows. We looked at the Chagas Income Report for 2022. Cows were on average maybe six, 700 per uh, per head uh, profit for, for the year. So, uh, like, look, the person who goes into it, you know, at 120, like there's... There's not going to be a huge profit level here with milk prices currently the way they're at. So is that going to be a hard sell for you? Um, I don't think so. I think we've had a good couple of years in dairy and with nitrate changes and things, there's been a big demand for land that we're seeing with clients. So, I mean, we looked at this farm last year on a whole, the nitrates finished up around 160, 165. And it could be a good base for somebody coming in if they needed extra ground. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, how's the interest in it at the moment, uh, Maeve? Have you had uh, many phone calls? We have. We've had a good bit of interest um, from people all over the country. And I suppose just if people are interested and want some more information or are interested in walking the farm, we're doing it by appointment only. So just give us a shout in the office and we'll arrange it with yourself and the owner. 
Uh, I also see on it as an important one, there's average payments of 22,450 per annum. Is this in such a way that the person leasing it uh, t- takes the payments and gives them back to the owner or do they get to keep them? How, how's that working? So the way we'll operate it is the entitlement. So the best value will be payable back to the owner and the tenant can keep the Chris and the eco payment. And say out of the 22 and a half, would that be, I know it's just a rough figure, would it be something like maybe you keep a third and you give back two thirds or is there a, um, is there a way of kind of quantifying it or maybe it's not that simple? Um, it's not that simple with all the changes in the BIS this year. Uh, I think there's a unit value on it and then the, so it'll be the BIS value that will go back to the owner. Right, but there's a, there, is an, there is an amount there that's going to be kept by the, the person who's leasing it. Um, what there are, is, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Maeve, I'm going to say many thanks for joining me here on the programme. Look, it's a, it's a local enterprise, not a million miles from us here, and uh, it's located right in our catchment area, so it's of great interest to all our listeners. And I'm sure you're going to have a lot of interest in it. As you said, the nitrates alone is going to get people interested, regardless of anything else, just getting more land and more land base. That's really where it's at at the moment. Uh, so we'll wish you well, and we'll say many thanks for joining me here on the programme. Thanks very much. Um, if Johnson there from the Brady Group and uh, you'll often have heard me speak to Mike Brady from the Brady Group he writes on the Tuesday Independent and they have a, a fine business down in County Cork where they are ag consultants and they're also auctioneers in, in the wide range of areas and Mike himself is actually down in Australia at a, at a dairy conference at the moment I texted him yesterday and uh, may have uh, chatted to me about that. Uh, at 80,000, look, it's, it's, it's a fine price for it. And uh, if you were given it, you would want milk prices going in one direction. No question about it. But uh, if you're interested, Brady Group, uh, if you uh, Google them, Brady Group, they'll pop up and you'll get a number there and you can give them a buzz now just before we go to a break you'll hear me rustling pages here in the background because I'm looking at the paper uh, that um, holding is on the farming section of the Choose Independent from yesterday and in advance of uh, tomorrow's date uh, I have to give it a mention it is as we know St Bridget's Day and uh, it's a bigger festival than it once was in Ireland because we have our bank holiday coming up uh, this weekend. Not going to make much difference to people in the farming community, a bank holiday to start of February, but for people working, it will. And this time last year, I spoke to a lady on the programme. She was from the Country Life Museum down in Castlebar, and she spoke to me all about um, uh, St. Bridget and her... Um, background and she said at the time that anybody involved in agriculture if you are bringing new life into the world put a St. Bridget's cross in your calving shed or your lambing shed or whatever the case may be because that's one of her areas she wanted the patron saints of new life and I always thought it was a very nice thing so if you have one in the house and if it's going to bring you a bit of luck out in the calving shed by all means bring it out pop it up on a shelf and have it there over the course of the next couple of months. Now, coming up after the break, Joe Patton from Chagas is going to be speaking to me all about winter feed and how shortfall of straw is starting to become a real problem. So stay tuned. Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw, Burlington Business Park, Tillamore. Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. Worshaw.ie. You're very welcome back to Country Life here on Midlands 103 and we're moving on to the area of fodder and where we're going to be in a period of time given current uh, stores on farms. Joe Patton from Chagas joins me. Joe, many thanks for taking my call this evening. Evening, Angie. How are you? Uh, we're good, Joe. Uh, we're going to talk about food, uh, fodder in, in a moment. Uh, you're part of the National Fodder Food Security Committee. You had a meeting last week and you were, you were chatting about it. But just in advance of that, Joe, look, you're, you're well known for your... 
um, dairy background in Chagas and it is 31st of January so as I said at the start of the programme it's just the time where farmers are just starting to kick off with calf and now on dairy farms uh, throughout the country and it's going to be a busy busy time for people Joe any advice for uh, for the dairy farmers listening? Yeah it's uh, the time of year we all look forward to MJ, I mm. suppose the cow really the calm before the storm maybe the storm has begun for a lot of people already um, but yeah look at it's 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 a good one. Uh, we actually met with our advisors in in Moorpark today, all the advisors around the country, and we were looking at even there. Um, on that farm, there's there'll be about eighty percent of the herd will calve over the next forty days or forty two days. So, it's got very intensive. Um, but because of that, we just really have to have plans in place to deal with it. You know, so um, there's a few things. First of all, health and safety and your own welfare is one of the big ones. It probably doesn't get enough discussion. Um, fatigue, a major, major problem. Um, so look, at I suppose uh, a couple of things on that. One of the big things we've pushed for people over the last number of years is really to look at at milk and time, actually, particularly evening milk and time, MJ. I think there's a lot of progress could be made on farms there that your daily routine should be kind of wrapped up by half five, six o'clock in the evening. That's your standard routine of milking which leaves you a bit of a break in the evening before sort of night calving begins to kick in again. And I think that's an important one for a lot of people. And it's a, it's a change that can come, you know, for free, essentially, on farms. We talk a lot about facilities and things, but the work routine and getting a, getting a reasonable end to the mid, sort of your standard working day is an important one. And if that's one tip, I would say, try and have your, try and have your evening milking and your calves fed up by, fed by half six, or sorry, by half five, six o'clock in the evening. And then whatever happens after that is easier to deal with, you know. So I think that's a big one. Do you ever look into, Joe, over the years, the benefits of a short nap uh, when you're very, very busy mm. on the farm? Has there ever uh, arisen in Chagas? Something I started doing years ago. It took me a long time to get into it. But now, uh, 10 minutes, uh, you mightn't get it every day. But uh, uh, the majority of days you can. It really does rejuvenate you for what I call the second yeah. part of the day or cracking on. Do you ever look into it? We never did, actually. It's a good, it's a good, it's a good suggestion. I think we could... Certainly, a bit of time in the middle, a bit of a bit of time in the day, right? Whatever time that suits to to do something like that, for sure. The other one, um, MJ, is actually a big one too. Is the nutrition? We talk an awful lot about the nutrition of the cow. Uh, we don't talk enough about the nutrition of the people or the person that's, um, you know, that that's actually doing a lot of this work. So a good routine around uh, good nutrition for yourself and not letting the meal time slip as best as possible is a major thing particularly I would say when there's maybe you know staff and students around or whatever it might be that we, we make a bit of time for that and it just puts a bit of structure on the day and I think one of the things we've seen over the years is the farms that have a structure on the day particularly around milking times and that kind of thing and maybe your maybe your, your siesta could fit into that MG as well mm. that you know you know what I'm trying to say that the day yeah. itself doesn't get away on you uh, and that's a big one but the last thing we want to see and I say it myself over the years and probably have done it myself over the years where you're still at milking at 8 o'clock at night and you know you have a night calving ahead of you as well. That's not simple for anyone. So that bit of break between milking and night calving beginning is a, is a major, major benefit. So I just think a small tip for people um, and try and get into that routine would be a good one. Yeah, uh, solid advice, Joe. And last week you were talking about uh, fodder and supplies on farms. This applies to all areas of agriculture this time of the year. It's the real 
kind of crunch time or pinch time I'd often see it uh, come usually maybe about a month or five weeks time there can be a massive market for silage rat bales of silage you might look on done deal it could be up on 40, 45 euro and you get two yeah. days of decent weather and that's it the market's gone completely and it just does a hinge on what the weather is like So, but look at the moment you did a little survey and it seems like there's sufficient feed on farms is that fair to say? Yeah I think uh, in, 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 a, in an overall sense we would say that it's always a dangerous one, MJ. Nobody likes to be the person to say that we're um, we're fully secure on feed and then be proven wrong by a bad month of March or whatever. But in a general sense, like we've been tracking this over the last number of years, that pretty much 80, 85% of farms are pretty secure. You will always have those 15%, I suppose, the amber gamblers maybe that are willing to hang on and wait and see what happens. And it's a problem, I suppose, on some farms that the action we would have always said that the action needed is needs to be taken in the fall of the year or in the early winter period to avoid that rush when everyone else is out in, in a panic, I suppose. Uh, but that 15% seems to be kind of hardwired in that there'll always be a shortage on that number of farms. But to, to us, anyone looking around, you know, fodder seems to be available to buy on the, on the market. I would be saying to people, if, if they think they're going to be a little bit short, even a week short, buy a week feed now possibly. If you if you're um, if you if you prove to be not short, then I suppose you have money in the bank anyway because you've bought silage before it gets expensive, you know, mm-hmm. if needed. But I would say, you know, when you're get when silage is available at a reasonable money and you, you have a concern, don't wait until it doubles in price because the other people that are competing with you are wait they're sitting on their hands too. Um get out and get it sorted in the next in the next you know, next couple of weeks or whatever and be done with it. But more or less we're we're not seeing anything that would be a major cause for concern out there and as I say there is there is um feed available. The one thing that came up with that fodder committee actually and it was a very good discussion on it on the day was the straw question seems mm. to be a bigger issue for people. Um so managing straw supplies is a, is a is a big one. People, particularly with calves and cows calving, we can't scrimp on the straw. Hygiene is really important. So it is an issue. And look, there's, there was a good discussion on it. And it's probably something we've committed to do a bit more in ter- in future fodder surveys that we would include winter winter bedding or sorry bedding as well as just feed because the, there's concerns in the tillage sector as well, obviously about you know the the the, the amount of straw available over time. So that that's one that certainly got a bit of an air in last week. Yeah, especially um, all these farmers going into organics as well. A huge mm. more uh, push on straw bedding there and you have to use an awful lot more. And I just yeah. see, I have Kieran McAvoy uh, from the IFA is going to speak to me after the break. And it was a figure at the your own uh, tillage conference last week that 50, only 50% of winter crops are actually in the ground now. And again, have, who, who knows what way the spring crop is going to go. Do you think we're going to get to a stage where straw is like it's going to become a real issue? Like we actually are not going to have enough straw or... Is it going to get that bad, or will we always be able to provide enough for ourselves at whatever cost it may be? It's it's a it's a good question, and I, I I think I would say at this stage it's an open question, MJ. You know, we have to maybe model that out. To be honest with you, I think there's there are other issues, and obviously, you know, what comes up around straw incorporation and and that issue, you know, obviously with the, from the tillage sector, there are great benefits to that, and and I think we have to ring fence, you know, that. That's a that's a use uh, of of a supply that needs to be needs to be ring fenced, and there's very good reasons for that. So we have to look beyond that then and say uh, what what could be available in the future. You know, look at I I suppose 
when we're looking at livestock numbers, despite all the all the narrative around you know you know numbers of on the livestock side of things, they are kind of stabilising now. You know, you would say that over the last number of years. So we're we're beginning to get to the point, I'd say, where we can plan quite quite readily in terms of where livestock numbers will be into the future. The question on the tillage side and the supply is something that's it's it's an it's an open question. So um, it's a good you know we could give a very good idea as to what the national requirement for, for silages, for example, mm. it would be a much harder question to answer. How much straw do we actually need for bedding? I haven't I don't know the answer to that mm. question. We have to we'll have to get out the, the pen and paper and try and work that out. But it's it's an interesting question. And we're looking at you know, we're very much looking at that, you know, tillage farmers and, and livestock farmers can work together to answer that question because that's how all these problems get solved ultimately. Yeah, absolutely, George. Just last one I see on the uh, the day of your uh, fodder meeting that uh, Michael O'Donovan, your grassland research, uh, head of grassland research, he presented grass growth figures for 2023. They were in line with the 10-year average. So, look, 2023 was a, go- a good, good growing year and that's what most uh, farmers would say to you. Pretty much all farmers would say to you, grassland farmers were happy enough. Uh, but uh, Michael pointed to grass growth over the winter period, which has yielded strong pasture covers on farms. Something I noticed from the home farm itself. Uh, there's a nice yeah. uh, green cover on pastures out there so if we do get a kind of a rightish spring coming up towards the end of February start of March grass is there and uh, it will be encouraging for everyone that if the weather is right uh, there'll, be, there'll be a cover to let stock out to Sure absolutely and you know we counted up you know sometimes we, we, we spend a lot of time talking about the, the feed stocks on the farm we have to look at the grass in the field obviously as, as a feed stock as well MJ. so we're just doing some quick figures on it based on pasture base your typical sort of 50 hectare scale dairy farm for example there's the guts of 350 tonnes equivalent of silage sitting in the field at the moment on average which is it's another pit of silage if you like but it's out there and it has to be grazed um, the trick is getting to graze it mm. I know the weather the weather is always the issue in the ground conditions but there's um, there's 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 people have shown what can be done on that you know and it's, it's there's it's very encouraging as to how people can with, with a good setup and good paddocks and good access points a lot of that can be got to, um, and a bit earlier than maybe what people uh, what people might think. The other interesting one from from that, just as briefly, that when we look at the, the growth figures from different parts of the country, you know, um, farmers in the northeast, for example, or in the North Midlands versus uh, North Cork Limerick, the growth rates, annual growth rates, are about the same or very very similar. The growth starts a bit later and probably finishes a bit later, but you do get good growth in the summertime. So what we're saying there is there's real opportunity for people even on, on in different counties and on heavier land to follow a relatively similar model of getting out that bit earlier and it it will it will pay off. And one final thing just to just to highlight it that did come up last week, we, we have seen that as people have adjusted maybe and maybe dropped away quite significantly on some farms and fertilizer application there's a straight line reduction in growth. So be careful on that. And we're, our advice is to really look at your fertilizer plan and ensure that feed supply is considered as well as just application rate of, of nitrogen. You know. Yeah, very good, Joe. Look, uh, many thanks for that. Covered a lot of bases there and we will speak to you on the programme again. Thanks, Joe. Very good. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. Uh, Joe Patton there from Chagas and uh, good advice all round there.
And when it comes to fodder, the one thing is, look, if you are running a little bit short, yet yeah, now is the time to act, okay? Uh, you could uh, possibly go online there and maybe get maybe 20 bales of hay or something. Probably won't break the bank. Usually you get these delivered to you and it can just be the difference between being really tight and just having that little bit of breeding space. And you don't want to be in a position where you're down to last few bales and uh, the weather's not right and you're you know stressed out about it. So now is the, now is the time to act in relation to it. Also, just on the calving on dairy farms and uh, it's not just dairy farms, look sucker farms as well and uh, there's going to be lambing taking place as well. But for the, the really intense uh, dairy farm as Joe said, when cows, I've no, no cows been milked yet or are not many on, on most farms. But uh, when they do go back into milk and to try and be finished up early uh, and give yourself a break before the, the night shift, if you will, uh, when you know you're going to have night calvings. And I think that is that is some solid advice as well. So structure, sticking to a structure. Now, coming up after the break, Sean McNamara from the ICSA is talking about their event tomorrow evening in Athlone. And Kieran McAvoy from the IFA is going to be talking to us about payments that have been made to tillage farmers this week by the Department of Agriculture so stay tuned Country Life on Midlands 103 brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tillamore supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands worshaw.ie You're very welcome back to Country Life here on Midlands 103 now we're moving on we have Sean McNamara from the ICSA having a word with us in advance of their AGM and annual conference tomorrow evening which takes place in the Athlone Springs Hotel uh, Sean thanks for joining me here in the programme you're quite welcome, Jet. Uh Sean, big night for you tomorrow night. You're taking over the baton and you're becoming president of the ICSA. So uh, congratulations in uh, in advance of it. And uh, you have, Thanks very uh, much. Yeah, you have a big event. It's uh, your Sustainable Agriculture Food Security. Uh, Minister McConlogue's coming down as well to it. So this is a big night for you, Sean. Yes, it's a very big night for us. Um, Mr McConlogue is coming down and we have to stress to Mr McConlogue what has to be done for farmers at the moment. Like it's an awful lot things facing farming at the moment and like it's serious at the moment and things are going to have to change like for farming to stay in existence. Uh, Sean, we are um, speaking as well uh, about the event. Look, you have Colin Markey, MEP, Maria Walsh, MEP, Barry Cowan, Michael Fitzmaurice, uh, Claire Coran, you have the, uh, the ministers at it as well. You have a big lineup, and uh, look, this concept, this sustainability, it's the headline at all these events over the course of the last couple of years. It's, it's the world. It and agriculture nearly go hand in hand. Now, you can't say one without the other. And uh, it's one that people are looking at. They're doing their best. Farmers are using low emission slurry. They're reducing fertiliser. Some farmers are saying, look, what, what more can we do? We're, do? we're doing our level best here, but it's still being pushed upon us, pushed upon us all the time. Yeah, that's the big problem at the moment. A lot of things have been pushed upon us at the time. But the biggest problem we have, you see, we'd be far more sustainable if we were getting um, a fair price for our product. Like I to say, we need... Um, we need to get an equal share of the market return and that's the big thing that we need like no farmer at the moment there's no viable living out farmer I know we can always grow up but there is no real viable living out farmer out farmer and farmers have some money to invest that's the biggest problem yeah, well, no, well, definitely not uh, from your members, uh, Sean, from the cattle and uh, sheep farmers. The Chagas Income Service would uh, would dictate that or would show that um, uh, very straightforwardly. Just before you go, Sean, and your event is on tomorrow evening, and it, look, it's, it's a big one. You're also, people are well aware, sheep farmer is the day job. Have you started lambing on your own farm at the moment, Sean? Uh, not yet. We won't be lambing until after the 17th of March. We'd like to see the days get a bit longer because we do lamb outside, so... 
it, like you know, we need the days to get a bit longer, and whether it gets better around this grass for lambs. I was going to say a little, little, bit, little, ha- little bit of grass is no harm as well, Sean. For the people who no, are, like you won't, it won't have to feed as much meal, and that's the big thing. That's the big one. Uh, just sheep trade at the moment, Sean. Uh, how are prices? Yeah, sheep farmers happy, sad, or indifferent? Well, they aren't. They're not really happy because it's we've made out that it's costing at least seven euros a kilo to produce lamb, and they're a little over it now. You may get from well from seven euros to seventeen, seven twenty. Like we're only just breaking even at this stage, and like at this, like at this time of the year, you would would want to be getting a lot more for our lambs. We'd be at least want to be getting one fifty kilo more for our lambs. I know people can say, "Oh, it's a hard price," but that's that's what we need to to bring in a viable income to achieve farmers. Yeah, well, look, given the inputs, uh, there's no question about it. Nearly couldn't be getting enough uh, at at the moment. Sean, I'm going to say many thanks for joining me. Uh, best luck in advance of the event tomorrow evening, and we'll be speaking to you again on the program. Thanks, Sean. 100%. Thanks very much. Lovely to be Sean McNamara there from the ICSA. And now I'm moving on to Kieran McAvoy from the IFA. Kieran uh, from County Leash. Kieran, many thanks for joining me this evening. Thanks for the invite, MJ. Uh, you're more than welcome, uh, Kieran. I just saw a stat uh, earlier, and when I was doing it, I said you'd be the man to, um, to mention it. To, the Chagas Tillage Conference was on last week and a figure came out that only 50% of winter crops are in the ground. That's a startling figure, uh, Kieran, isn't it? It's, it's a major, major, major problem. Uh, it's putting big pressure on, uh, on, on work in the spring and harvest if we have a late year again and also the availability of seed. And there's question marks over some of that 50% of that crop that he sowed, whether it's going to make it viable to harvest, you know. It's a major concern, MJ, yeah. Um, and then, look, I suppose things come at the, this. This came at the right time. 14.3 million support payments to, till, to the tillage sector. Look, you couldn't be getting enough at the moment, especially after 2023. But there were payments made this week. What schemes were these, uh, uh, Kieran? where this uh, this money was paid out this week? Yeah, look, there's two, two things being paid out there at the minute, MJ. Uh, look, as you know, the harvest of 2023 was an absolute washout, a disaster. And look, at 14 million won't cover the losses that's on tillage farms. But to be fair, look, we worked, we asked the minister and we worked with the minister for some kind of a, a, a compensation package for unharvested and for uh, salvage crops. But they only took up on the unharvested part of that. Uh, so basically, uh, anybody who didn't harvest a crop uh, would have put in an application and they would be getting, I think it's 400 euros an acre up to a maximum of 50 acres. Okay. So and the other part of that money is uh, is working out at about uh, 50 euros a hectare for all tillage farmers um, and that that's that's there as well. Okay, well, I know, look, there are never enough, Karen. there's no question about it, none of no. these figures are, are ever enough, but look, in fairness, the unharvested, unharvested uh, crop uh, payment, um, like it is, it's better than nothing, you know, and uh, in, fa- in, fa- it, yeah, in to, fairness... To I, I'd be quick enough. To, I, we can be all very critical, but it's probably as big a package as was ever given out to uh, tillage farmers for unharvested crops. And I mean, you know, uh, to be fair to the minister and his department, while we have issues and, you know, there's people fall through the cracks and people don't, you know, not everybody's going to be happy. But I mean, the majority of people are going to get a considerable, you know, that, that are in the worst position because most of these people who had unharvested crops would have had salvage crops as well. So, I mean, they would have had just a disastrous year. Uh, this, as I say, won't cover all the rails, but it's definitely a step in the right direction. And look, it has to be. 
Uh, Kieran, also, I had Joe Patton on from Chagas just before the break. We were talking at the end about uh, the fodder committee that we were on last week and straw and straw availability came up. Uh, what are you hearing from tillage farmers at the moment, uh, Kieran? Is there a big push on straw over the course of the last couple of weeks? Look, a lot of, a lot of dairy farms don't really start using straw until pretty much today for the next couple of months. Um, is, is the market uh, buoyant? Is there a lot of interest or would most um, farmers have their kind of straw supplies got now at this stage? Look, at it, I, I know on our farm we don't store any straw here. We don't have we don't have facilities, and I think that's the case on a lot of tillage farmers. I suppose there is some straw uh, stored and does shift at this time of the year. We're hearing very high prices, but I don't think it's the price is one thing, but the availability is the bigger problem. MJ, it wasn't in the field, and what was in the field, a lot of it was left behind as well. You know, so uh, availability is a bigger issue uh, than anything. And look, at we would be saying, you know. The farmers, you know, they need to they need to be ordering straw and and getting the supply of straw earlier. Look at, we would hope that twenty twenty three was a one off. You know, yeah, fingers crossed, no question about it. Any idea on what a four by four uh, round bale of straw is making, um, Kieran? At the moment, figures you're hearing. I tell you now, MJ is nearly like at the corner of a, nearly in the corner of the street. Now you'd be asking the lad. I, 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 we're hearing from be in the cover of darkness, Karen. The cover of darkness, right on the piece from them. Though, look at we are hearing. We're hearing north of forty euros. Uh, wow. Yeah. You know, okay. which like I think is a very it's a bit unrepresentative of the, what the straw trade was. I think you know mo- the majority of straw was traded, and like on our farm here. We traded all the straw the same as any other year here and uh, we just hadn't enough of it. That's mm. the problem. Yeah. yeah. Uh, very good, Kieran. Look, many thanks there for a uh, rundown in all those different areas and uh, as we say, look, fingers crossed 2023 was a, a one-off. Look, we'll be speaking to you again later in the year on the programme. Yeah. Thanks, Kieran. Thanks, MJ. Thank you. Bye. Uh, Kieran McAvoy there from the IFA and uh, look, the last thing we want, you'll be blue in the face listening to me saying this over the course of the month of February, but this time last year we got a dry February and it was the worst thing that ever happened to us in 2023. Look, at the time it was grand and you don't complain about dry weather when you get it, but uh, we never really recovered from it and all those other sectors, especially tillage, um, such a tough, tough year for tillage. Uh, anyone that was putting anything in the ground and trying to grow it or harvest it, it was just a disaster of a year. Grassland wasn't too bad and we saw there the grass did grow, but um, it has a knock-on effect. All those other industries then has a knock-on effect to whatever it may be, uh, beef, sheep or dairy. So, look, we want definitely a couple of days dry weather now is grand at the start of February, but uh, we do not want a February like we had last year. Now, coming up after the break, we're moving on to an area called Farm Peat, it is. It's a European-led project and there's farmers involved in it and they are getting payments for certain environmental measures on the farm. Bernie Duffy is a man involved in it. He's farming on the Offaly-Kildare border. We're going to ask him if he counts himself as a Kildare man or an Offaly man uh, after the break. And depending on what his answer is, the interview will either go on for a long period of time or a very short period of time. Well, we'll see. Um, so we're going to talk to Bernie in just a moment and it's about farm peats, so stay tuned. Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tillamore. Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. Worshaw.ie. And you're very welcome back to Country Life for the last part of this evening's programme. And now Bernie Duffy is joining me from the Farm Peat programme. Bernie, many thanks for taking my call this evening. That's no problem, MJ. That's me here. Uh, I said just before the break, Bernie, that you're farming on the Offaly Kildare border, and depending on the answer, it will dictate the length of the interview. So, what are you, Bernie? An Offaly man or a Kildare man? And bear in mind, we are Midlands 103, Leash Offaly, Westmeath. So, what's the answer, Bernie? Oh, I'm afraid pure Lily White. 
Ah, oh, that's a shame. That's a shame, Bernie. But look, <laughs> I suppose someone has to be. Uh, you're up in uh, kind of the Rathangan uh, neck of the woods, Bernie, I believe. Yeah, so maybe, uh, I'm, I'm kind of between Rathangan and Munstraven, pretty much on the off yeah, very good. Uh, you did speak to us here uh, before on the programme, Bernie. It was about, uh, it was about a year ago and we were talking about this Farm Peat uh, initiative and what it is. And the reason we'll be back on again is because it is World Wetlands Day on the 2nd of February. So not tomorrow, day after. World Wetlands Day. And this Farm Peat, I featured this back in, I think it was October time, with um, somebody who had an initiative like this as well, where basically there were, there were farms in doing different sustainable actions and we're seeing what, uh, what was happening as a result. What have you been doing, Bernie, on your own, your own farm as a result of this initiative, this farm, Peter? What have you been involved in? Can you tell us? Look, I've only got a couple of acres of uh, peatlands, EJ, uh, MJ, sorry. And, and uh, look, they actually taper down towards uh, Quilcia forestry. So I didn't have to do very much with them, to be honest, which I don't have any uh, streams or drains on the farm. Uh, but look, I work as a, a, a farm liaison officer part-time with the, the Farm Peat Project. And when the project was being uh, started up, uh, I'm involved with a community group and we invited Farm Peat to, to consider our local bog umras as one of their project sites. So it was during uh, the negotiations then they decided that maybe it wouldn't be a bad idea to get a farmer on board, to get a farmer's opinion on uh, some of the measures that were going to be taken by the, the programme. And uh, that's where I stepped in one day a week and uh, ultimately led to two days a week so I'm a bit better informed uh, now than I was maybe when you interviewed us last. Yeah, so when farmers hear about uh, this and they hear about um, bogland and water, they start getting a little bit anxious, a little bit nervous, and they believe that uh, you know the whole country is going to be reflooded and all of the, the midlands are going to be put back underwater. And uh, while there is merit in, uh, in, in what people are, are, are thinking, and uh, farmers are allowed to be very cognizant of this, because as farmers say to me, look, we spent a long time reclaiming land, we don't want to come back in, into bog land. It is important to illustrate from the outset, Bernie, that say these uh, projects, and I was at a farm walk about this back before Christmas, and it was, it's all any... Uh, land that's going to be um, re-wetted or shall we say the water table will be raised on it. It's all internal land and it's not land that's going to affect a neighbour's land. I think that's a very important message to set out from the outset. Well, absolutely. Um, so our project manager, um, Caroline Lawler and project officer at the time, Emma Byrne, met with the, the IFA's environmental panel and they were you know, obviously uh, concerned as well but once they heard that, exactly as you said, that all the uh, reweighing is up to farmers, it's it's basically voluntary um, and it doesn't affect the, the, their neighbours, then the IFA said work away. Um, and the fact that, you know, there are payments for it, it mm. really is up to the farmers themselves how, how far they want to go with raising the water table. Yeah, what I liked as well, uh, Bernie, was the fact that the water table can be raised on, say, peat grassland, Underneath, essentially, look, you have you have your your peat grassland, your grass, you have your peat peat soil underneath it, and you can raise the water table underneath it to a certain amount, but it still won't affect the grazing up on top, and you can still summer graze your cattle or your sheep or whatever the case may be on it, and you can still have an environmental benefit as well deep below. I think there's a there's a real win there if that could uh, take off. Well, that's the beauty of the, of the project. Like there is a, a win win there. Um, there are payments for farmers uh, and they only have to do or take on board as many of the actions as they want to. Their farm is scored. 
uh, at the end of the year, and that's how, how their, their payment is calculated. It's on five scorecards. So if they get a good a good score, then it it will compensate them for maybe uh, if they do have to kind of rotate their, their grazing to, to, to suit a, a wetter period. But it's, as you say, it doesn't really affect, we found this with farmers who have taken re-wetting actions, it doesn't really affect their farming to any great extent. Yeah, and these farmers are um, pilot farmers, if you will. And for farmers listening now, they're saying, look, I have a little bit of boggy land, a little bit of peat land. Don't get much from it. Uh, I'd be interested in doing something like this or getting a payment from it. Uh, Coming up or in the future, we have what's called a Midlands Carbon Capture Scheme. And this is going to be where this is opened out wider, Bernie, to farmers uh, throughout the Midlands. And if they do want to get involved, they will be able to and there will be a payment for it. So it is indicative of what's coming down the lines. This Midlands capture, Carbon Capture Scheme is going to be something that's uh, very real, results-based, and there is going to be money to be made from it. Absolutely, and it, it will be based on pretty much the same principles of the Farm Pea Project and Farm Carbon as well. Uh, you know, and it, it's coming, it'll be coming on the back of, of uh, Farm Pea who will be finished this year so expect it to, to be coming next year. And uh, it's without a doubt, like, I mean, there, there will be uh, funding there. It'll probably be limited in terms of um, many people can apply, but it'll be much, much bigger than our current pilot project. Yeah, and that's where farmers are really going to uptake uh, in relation to it. They're going to be very interested in it. And if there's money to be made from, you know, land that is poor and isn't generating any income for them, then it is going to be something that's uh, of real and salient interest. Uh, what I'm going to say to you is, Bernie, I'm going to say many thanks for joining me here on the programme, giving us a rundown on Farm Pete and uh, in advance of Midlands Carbon Capture Scheme, when it is announced. Look, it's, it's, it's up in the air at the moment, but it is certainly coming. And also in advance of World Wetlands Day on the 2nd of February. So Bernie, many thanks for joining me this evening here on the programme. Thanks, MJ. Thank you. Uh, Bernie Duffy there from, as we said, the Farm Pete uh, programme. And that is something that, uh, look, we can't ignore. I know a lot of farmers have a lot of issues with this, and especially in the Midlands, this area, this idea of re-wetting. But uh, at that farm walk I was at, it is uh, dumbed down a lot and it's uh, raising the water tables, firstly, is what they say. It's all internal lands and it's doing it in a very uh, subtle way. But it is going to be the future of um, peatlands um, and if you are a farmer in these areas in the future, there are going to be payments in relation to it and it may be too hard to say no to it depending on what these payments will be. But uh, it is important that we always stay cognizant of a neighbouring farmer if he or she does not want their land impinged in any way by this. Uh, That is their right and that's something that uh, the farm bodies, in fairness to them, are arguing uh, hell for letter for. And it's something we need to be very cognizant of as well. If you've reclaimed your land and you want to stay farming it, you can't be impinged by a neighbouring farmer who wishes to go down this route. Now, that is it for this evening's programme. I'd like to thank all of my guests who joined me. Maeve Johnson from the Brady Group at the start of the hour. Joe Patton from Chagas also spoke to me here on the programme. Sean McNamara from the ICSA in advance of their night tomorrow night in Athlone. Kieran McAvoy from the IFA speaking about that 14 million 
that was given to tillage farmers, badly needed by tillage farmers this week. And Bernie Duffy just there from the Farm Peat uh, Programme in advance of World Wetlands Day. Uh, the show is repeated on Sunday morning at 7am until 8am and I will be back with you this time next week at 7pm as always. You can catch us wherever you get your podcasts. If you type in MJ Space Cleary, C-L-E-R-Y, we will pop up and you can listen at your leisure. We usually go out on a Thursday, if not a Friday, on the podcast forums and then we're there and you can listen whenever you wish. So we'll be back with you in seven days' time. We'll say goodnight. God bless. Mm-hmm.